Okay, welcome to your area. Today we're sitting down and chatting with Jason Swords, who's the founder and principal of Sunflower Development Group, uh, located here in Kansas City. Uh, Sunflower is a development group that's involved more often than not in very complicated urban development projects that have many layers to them, either politically or financially or both. Uh, Sunflower has made a major impact in bringing back many areas of our city that really had seen no economic development for generations. And there's more often than not, again, a common theme to all the projects, which is they're, they're typically in these overlooked areas of town um, that, that really have not seen any uh, activity for decades. And those areas, they work throughout the country, but uh, most, uh, uh, most of their projects are in the CBD, East Crossroads, uh, the East Side, Beacon Hill, South Kansas City, um, very interesting areas that, that, that he's brought back to life. Um, is that pretty accurate with yeah, that's good. the definition of, of what you guys do? Yeah. I, I, I think it would be interesting to really to, to start off. Uh, you've got a lot of projects uh, in your on your resume, but they're, the two that are most recent are, are big and they're interesting. Let's talk about the grand. Um, you renovated a 21-story office building on Grand in a kind of a tough area downtown, uh, a building that literally had sat there pretty much vacant for over 30 years. Talk about the Grand. So the Grand was a 20-story class B-minus office building that was kind of underused with an attached parking garage. Um, you know, we've done a lot of historic properties over the course of our career. And so it was really a mid-century building built in the 1950s. Um, and so we were able to work with our consultants to figure out that we could actually add it to the National Historic Register. So we went through that entire process. Um, we opened in November of 2018. Um, and so it's 202 market rate apartments with about oh, 20,000 square feet of office and retail and then amenity areas for our, our guests or our residents. Um, it was a 20-story building. We kind of added the 21st floor and created a, oh, a bump out with a couple of penthouses and added a rooftop pool there. Um, that's, a, that's a good example of, you know, the city. We worked with the city to purchase a parking lot to the south of the building. Without the purchase of that parking lot, we would not have had enough parking for our residents. So we worked with the city on that for oh, probably a year, and we um, put together a tax abatement through the PIA and with the use of the federal and state historic tax credits at the time. Um, you know, it was, it's a $69 million project, and uh, it wouldn't have come together without those elements. And, you know, the, it, it wasn't your first project along that block either. I mean, that that really was a forgotten block that had sat there for years, and there was some flea-bitten uh, nightclubs there and yep. vacant office buildings. So you, you really turned this little block of, of grand around, um, which included really the first boutique hotel downtown in decades, which was the Ambassador. Yeah, so the Ambassador we did about seven, eight years ago now um, with Corey Properties. Um, they were originally out of uh, Tulsa, Oklahoma, but Paul has since moved his company to Kansas City, and um, he operates the hotel. Um, so it was originally 43 rooms, and we added 70 rooms a year ago, March, in a new building that was opened. Um, 
you know, we were on track to be sold out for the Big 12 tournament and and everything that got canceled there last minute. But uh, Paul and his group do a great job of managing the hotel. It's under uh, the Marriott flag. It's a Marriott autograph, part of their collection. So we're looking forward to getting this COVID thing kind of behind us and having more guests stay. I want to go back to your, you know, to the hotel industry in, in a second, but I want to hear more about the Uptown Lofts. They're under construction. It's right across from the Uptown Theater. Correct. Again, uh, a shopping center that's been really dilapidated for decades, uh, but kind of interesting because it also had a parking structure with it, and you actually parked at one time on top of the shopping right. center. A lot going on there, but uh, kind of a tough area. Um, so talk about that and talk about, you know, what you're, what you're doing there. So we were brought in by, um, two gentlemen out of Lawrence, um, Doug Compton and Mike Trainer to kind of help, help with that project. And we're partners with those guys there. Um, you know, what everybody drives by that old dilapidated shopping center and structure and nobody realized that it, it essentially is a 500 space parking garage. So that allowed us to go in and renovate that garage, really, which is what we're doing today, and then add uh, residential units on top, 220-odd um, residential units there with about 30,000 square feet of retail. Um, we'll open, the target is May of next year. So if you go over there today, you know, they're, they're framing out the second floor of apartments above the, the concrete structure. Um, and then before the whole, the whole COVID thing kind of happened, we're approved for a Marriott Moxie to put on the corner there as well, which is about a $16 million limited stay product from Marriott. Um, you know, kind of an urban, cool, uh, we feel like it's a good fit for Midtown. So, you know, collectively over there, there'll be about a $60 million investment into that 36 and Broadway corridor. You know, I, I think that <clears throat> with the streetcar coming farther south down Maine and, you know, there's a great neighborhood there in Valentine to the, to the west and, you know, Mac Properties is, is certainly spent a ton of time, what they've done up and down Armor. So we think Midtown is, is a good location, and that's going to be another area that's going to feel benefit from the streetcar and whatnot. And, you know, 36 and Broadway is three minutes from the plaza and, and six minutes from downtown and super close to KU Med and uh, everything else. So we love the location. Um, so we're excited to, to get that thing open uh, next year. And, and probably uh, there has been no new development on Broadway probably 25, 30 years. So once again, you're going into an area and lighting a fire. Yeah, you know, the, the Opus guys did, and I forget the name of it there at, at uh, Westport and uh, Broadway. They were, I believe they're opening now. They came out of the ground with that brand new structure, which I think looks great. So. I think we're kind of capitalizing on a lot of the improvements that are heading that direction, but we're excited about 36 and Broadway. And, um, you know, our goal is to kind of get through the COVID piece and hopefully pick up the pieces with Marriott and, and whatnot and start that process third quarter, fourth quarter this year. Let's talk about the hotel industry. Um, obviously, the story has been written on that. Retail and hospitality got hit first. Sure. Um, industrial really hasn't been touched. Office is always lagging behind the rest of, of the world, so we're yet to see what's going to happen there. But let's talk about hospitality. What um, in what sectors of hospitality are going to come back first, and what are what are what does it look like over the next twelve to eighteen months for hospitality? 
You know, for me, that's a hard that's a hard question. I know from my personal standpoint, I'm dying to take my my wife and kids somewhere to get us out of Kansas City on a, on a whether it be a mini vacation or, or whatnot. But I'm also afraid to fly somewhere today. You know, until there's better news that comes out. Um, I think the the limited stay is going to come back sooner than the full service, um, just because there's not as much human contact back and forth in in the limited service deals. Um, you know, they're all, we're, we're suffering. Our, you know, our, our rates over at the La Quinta that we, we completed at Beacon Hill, you know, they're running 40% occupancy, but that's because they're housing a lot of folks from the Ronald McDonald House and from Truman Medical Center. And that's about 30% higher than many. Yeah, yeah. Just because of where it's located, right? Yeah, I looked, I looked out across the street at the ambassador windows yesterday in, in an upper building, and there was only two two sets of curtains pulled on the whole front facade. So that kind of gives me an idea. So they're, they're certainly feeling it. Um, you know, what's, what's has been good though, is that our lenders on, on those projects have been, they've really stepped up, stepped to the table and worked with us on some principal and interest deferments to kind of help through the those time local right banks. Yeah. So, you know, enterprise bank and cross first bank have been great for us to work with. So um, kudos to those guys for stepping up and doing the right thing. So, um, Challenges and opportunities. Um, where do you see the opportunities for Sunflower over the next 12 months? Well, you know, maybe COVID drives some drives some pricing down on um, on real estate. You know, there for a while, the market was so hot. Everybody thought their property was worth two times what it, what I actually probably thought it was. Um, and interest rates are, are so low. It, I mean, those are you know, the interest rates being where they're at, those are real pro forma shakers. I mean, those make, those make deals work. Um, you know, we're, we're seeing rates sub four, you know, just above three and God, I never thought we'd be there. Um, I, I think, you know, we're also seeing loan to values change from our lenders and, and whatnot kind of, you know, once we enter this COVID market, so there's challenges on both sides. You've got a great rate, but you've got to raise more equity. You've got to kind of figure out, you know, you're just pulling different levers to try and make your, your deal work. Bigger reserves. Bigger right? reserves, yeah. I, you know, I in the housing world, I think there's a, there's a big market for affordable housing. Um, you know, market rate housing in the right location, yes. I think there's a lot of units under construction in the metro area today. But people are always going to need a place to live. So I feel like those those markets are are um, still strong. You know, we saw in the in the limited commercial stuff that we have, you know, fifty percent of our tenants didn't didn't pay rent in April and didn't pay rent in May, and we're working with everybody, especially those that can't be open today. So we're hoping that you know folks are able to get get their offices and their their businesses back up to where they've got some cash flow coming in. But we're trying to work with everybody through the situation. Let's talk about incentives. Uh, you know, these projects like Uptown and the Grand and Beacon Hill, they don't happen without incentives. Right. And um, the, this, the incentive piece is very political, but also I think the press tends to spin it. Um, and there's a lot of misconception about what these are, that developers are getting rich. and But without it in the capital stack, these projects don't happen. And areas in distress don't get economic development. Yeah, so the the areas are, that are in distress, <clears throat> you know, it they may not be able to see the same income stream that a non area, non distressed area would, right? So the so the income's lower, but that doesn't mean your construction costs are lower. It costs within 
you know, ten or fifteen thousand dollars a door to build an affordable housing unit versus a higher end market rate unit. You know, it's it's just not that much of a difference. So the incentives are needed to make those things pencil. Um, and more and more, our our lenders are requiring incentives. You know, they 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 want to know what you've gotten. They want to know that whether it's the city or whatever agency might be in that they're committed to the deal. So without you know without those things, so much of what we've done wouldn't have happened. Um, you know, we've been in a in a good time, in, in my opinion, in Kansas City, Missouri, that uh, in particular, and other cities like North Kansas City, and we're working in Shawnee and, and Wichita. Um, you know, we've been able to get support for the types of incentives to make these projects go because they do create a lot of jobs. You're bringing back, you know, vastly underutilized um, pieces of property and, and creating neighborhoods and, and traffic and, and um, you know, solving for blight. Um, but I do think that there is a perception out there that if there's an incentive, you know, Sunflower Development Group rolls to the bank and cashes a check, yeah. which that just isn't the way it works. You know, our, our incentives are needed in order to make our deals pencil and to make debt service and and to uh, make the investment. So there, I, I do think that there's some spin put on it that, that folks think that the developers are all cash and checks, which it just doesn't work that way. Yeah. Um, opportunity zones. Mm-hmm. Um, that was uh, one of the only bipartisan agreed upon changes to the tax law um, a year ago um, that was meant to, to, to uh, bring reinvestment back into areas of distress, both for companies moving in to these areas as well as investors and developers. Um, you've got an expertise in that. Um, talk about it. How, how the, the challenges with that and, and how it could transform certain areas of our city. Yeah, so you know the opportunity zone that was the, the the biggest hot button out there for all of 2019. Certainly, um, you know, folks were saying that they were going to build these great big op, op zone funds and and whatnot. And in my opinion, a lot of those groups just ended up being brokers. You know, we were fortunate; we had uh, a number of buildings already under construction in in designated op zone areas after the designation came out. So we got lucky there. Um, we did close a specific op zone transaction in St. Joe. We're doing uh, the American Electric Lofts. So we've got 141 market rate apartments under construction on a historic building in St. Joe. That's an opportunity zone designated property. And we've got a couple others in our, in our pipeline. But, um, you know, what I've always heard, not what I've always heard, what I've recently heard is that if people thought that there was going to be a you know, $300 million opportunity zone fund, and then they've been able to raise $30 million. So it's been about 10% overall on what was kind of put together. You know, I, it, in the opportunity zone world, in my opinion, you know, with, with the hold period, it, it's, it's not as easy. It's got to be the right property and the right deal because you've got to figure that you're going to need to put capital into a building in five years or seven years while you can't necessarily sell it over that amount of time, which, you know, that that's what you might do in order to not have to put the capital in. So you've got to plan for your capital expenditures down the road. And, you know, if it's a commercial or industrial deal, then you've got to have the right lease to last you through that period, in my opinion. Um, but but I do feel like now that more opportunity zone tra- transactions are closing or have closed, we're seeing more act- activity in that world. But 
for 2019, it was what everybody wanted to talk about, but we couldn't figure out how to get it done. Yeah. So it's opening up a little bit, I believe. As uh, let's talk about downtown baseball as yeah. we, as we close <laughs> this up as a as a person that develops downtown, owns property downtown. Um, what are you hearing? What first of all, what's your preferred site for the ballpark? You know, I think the East Village site. And so I'm prejudiced there because we own a bunch of property really close to it. So that, that would be great for us. But uh, number one, I think downtown baseball is fantastic. And I love to see that there's new local ownership, you know, involved here. And hopefully they can, you know, they can lead it that direction. I think it's huge for downtown. Um, I love the K. and I've gone out there for 40 years. But um, I think downtown baseball is a game changer for Kansas City. So I, I like the East Village site. And uh, I hope that they're able to pull that together here, you know, before, before too much longer, you know, another five to eight, five to ten years, hopefully. Well, hopefully sooner than that. Yeah, I, I'm just, you know, I, I can't. I mean, I know how hard it is to finance a ten million dollar apartment building. I can't imagine trying to finance a baseball stadium right. like that. But there's, there's a billion a bunch, dollars today. Yeah, more. there's a bunch of smart guys involved. So. Well, you think? I mean, Kansas City does feel like it's at a transition point. At least it did prior to this. Yeah. You know, with the new airport under construction. Uh, the Buck O'Neill uh, Bridge yep. uh, being replaced here in the next 24 to 36 months. Downtown baseball, um, which is just kind of adding fuel to the fire. And I just hope that um, we can keep this going after this. My hope would be that, you know, post-COVID, <clears throat> the, the foot goes back on the gas, right? So you've got development in the, in the, e or the West Bottoms. You're seeing things push farther east. South Kansas City is getting some developments. You've got the potential of downtown baseball, the streets, streetcar expanding, the, the new airport. I mean, I, I think Kansas City is in a great spot, and, and I hope that uh, you know this little speed bump that we're we're going through right now. You know, folks don't forget all the progress that was made over the last 15 years to put that together. You know, it's hard for people to drive by the Sprint Center today. And now remember that there was G Gigi's wigs down there yeah. 15 years ago, right? People forget that. That was my favorite wig. Yeah, people forget that. <laughs> people forget that nobody went down there for 30 years, right? right? And uh, so there's been a lot of progress made, and I, I hope that you know the momentum keeps going. Thank you, Jason. Thank you. <laughs>